0: Welcome back to Trending in Education as we celebrate National Teachers Day and Teacher Appreciation Week. Dan Strafford, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones along with you. And uh, we have some interviews on tap this week. We'll have some special extra releases as the week goes on. Uh, Today's episode, you'll hear from Steven Anderson in a little bit, an in-depth interview about his career uh, and how he's really uh, taken on the role of a social evangelist for education. Uh, Really interesting stuff. So so stay tuned for that. But first and foremost, Michael, uh, how are you doing today? And uh, happy uh, Teacher Appreciation Week. Thanks, Daniel.
1: I feel uh, I feel good, I feel good today. Today's gonna to be a wonderful show. We're gonna celebrate teachers, which is great. Uh, I was trying to figure out, uh, is it, you know, in terms of hijacking a song, is it, I believe the teachers are our future, teach them well, no, see, I don't know where it goes from there. Right, but, right, but or, or, is there an or? To all the teachers I've had before. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure which, you know, who have helped me get through School once more. You
2: know, I it, think it, 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 would, go, it, would, it would just keep going would go either way or neither of, those, yeah, neither of them. Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's always an option. See, yeah. none of neither of the above. But 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 to all to all the teachers I've had before. Yeah, right? like I, this, this I kind heard of this,
1: this goes out. I heard it to all the teachers, uh, you know, I've learned from and uh, and it's a really uh, they're an important part of our lives. So it's it's good that we have uh, that we're taking some extra time to, to give them their due. And it sounds like they're going to get uh, a good amount of due from us this this week, too. And I, I'm not talking Mountain Dew. Yeah.
0: And Brandon, you've talked many times over and over again about your parents, uh, their role uh, in shaping your career path. Uh, a few minutes here or moments here uh, about your parents as educators. And I will ask both of you, but Brandon, maybe you first of uh, an educator outside of your
2: family uh, who is a big influence on your life. Yeah, sure. So just another mention, uh, folks who are longtime listeners to this show have heard me talk a number of times about my family. Both my, my parents were teachers. Uh, my father then became a superintendent of schools. Uh, both have since retired several times over, uh, but keep uh, getting back in the game. Uh, my mom is a, a Hall of Fame teacher, so she taught for 30 years at the high school that she went to, wow. and was uh, named to the Hall of Fame for as a uh, as a cl- member of that class, nice. not even just as uh, you know a member of the faculty. Um, And, uh, I mean, certainly most influential teacher in my life is, uh, my mom. Um, and like she's, she has been, she's, she's really an awesome teacher, uh, from, uh, I can say that as her son, but I can also say that from, you know, pointing to her hall of fame work. Um, so, uh, so thanks, uh, mom, (laughs) thanks, uh, to all the teachers out there. I'll give one, one more, my, um, one of my more influential teachers uh, was a guy named Pat Aliazzi. He was my ninth grade Western Civ teacher. And he um, one of the things that, that he he did was he gave us a page maximum on papers. So often you were asked to write a one page paper. When this was happening, like I, I did I went to prep school, went to did a lot of writing of, you know, six and eight page papers as a ninth grader, writing papers for science class, not just for for history and English. And but um, he, he, he taught me, and the listeners may not know it, but he taught me uh, a real uh, valuable lesson about economy of language. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a very, it was a, it was an intellectually rigorous exercise to just absolutely remove all of the language that was not doing hard work for you in that one page. Yep. And he was, he was just a, a known as a, as a really hard grader. Yep. Uh, And I found that to be um, a really fun challenge was to get uh, good marks from him. And I did. And I think that set me up for, um, you know, what what was a good uh, continuation of of an academic career. So, uh, Mr. Aliati, thank you. um, And uh, thanks again to to all the teachers who influenced me. Uh, Teachers do such important work uh, and uh, I'm so grateful. Very excited this week to
0: celebrate teachers. Uh, the ones we have on, also just teachers across uh, all walks of life that have influenced us. Mine, uh, David Deal, who is the chorus director at my high school. And for those of you who know me well, uh, don't uh, I don't sing well. And he taught me the even before even discussing it here uh, about growth mindset that you can learn to do things uh, that you even think you may not be able to. He taught me I could sing by learning the actual you know process of singing that that notes existed even if i couldn't hear them myself uh, and that I, if i kept at it i could learn and i i ended up being able to carry a tune be part of course and actually helped me a lot in my broadcasting career as well so mr deal has since passed uh, i hope he uh, uh, is resting well and his family is doing well but he is a, a big influence on my life mike what about you uh, a teacher in your lifetime that uh, you can point to as a big influence
1: well, first off, quick reaction. My chorus teacher in high school also named Doctor Deal. Oh, so wow! If, so wonder, what's the deal with uh, that? I wonder if the deals are 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 sort of a, a, a cottage industry of, <laughs> of high school musical uh, directors. So, Doctor Deal, uh, shout out to Doctor Deal. And then, uh, secondly, I thought you were going to say that Mr. Deal uh, introduced you to an auto tuner. So <laughs> yeah. Rather than teaching you uh, growth mindset, I, I thought he was going to say better living through technology. Yeah, but uh, there it is. But it's yeah, T- it's T-Pain
2: and, and D Stafford, yeah,
1: all that, all that. Peter Frampton comes alive too. Uh, all that. But, um, but yeah, I, I would throw a couple, uh, Ms. Jural, uh, sixth grade, uh, you know, uh, tough love teacher was fantastic. I remember she had like a, she was like maybe six feet tall and she had like a four foot long ponytail uh, that she pulled back in a very severe way. But, uh, but when you earned her, uh, respect, you knew you were doing something good. And then, uh, and then uh, Mr. Mr. Wineland, Drew Drew Wineland, uh taught uh, high school English uh, for us, and uh, he's the guy who I probably truly unlocked my love of language and vocabulary because, like, you know, I think it was eleventh grade, tenth grade English. Um, you learn it like your mind is ready for vocabulary, and he. Sort of taught it in a way that uh, that always sort of provoked imagination and humor and, and all the all the kinds of things we try to do on the show. So I, I, I'd single those two out. But uh, and then not to mention, you know, great undergraduate instructors. I've learned a lot from mentors on the job throughout my life. So, uh, you know, to all the teachers we've loved before, there there, there are
0: many of them. Way to bring it back. And obviously, we've acknowledged many times over the teachers who are maybe not formal teachers, the ones who uh, teach us things every day and the continuous education we have, both at work and in our home lives, uh, a large part of the education process that we discuss and the learning process we discuss here on Trending in Education. Now, Mike, uh, you've made mention and you've called yourself out a couple of times about uh, your prediction for 2018 that uh, education would not be forefront uh, in the headlines for general news, but may have its own section. uh, That has not come to pass. We've seen, obviously, the Parkland and we've seen Now, the teacher walkouts, teacher pay being a big topic. We're not going to dive deep into teacher pay here, uh, but do you foresee uh, this movement continuing? No, we talked to Steven Anderson a little bit about it. We'll hear from him momentarily. uh, But it does seem that education for the first four months of 2018 has really been at the forefront and teachers a big part of it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think generally we're seeing uh, activism in a way that we haven't really seen in a long time. And a lot of it is centered around schools and classrooms and educational contexts, which I think is really interesting. And I think that's part of the bigger trend around, uh, I think social activism, activism, right to assemble, uh, you know, uh, the rule of uh, two feet, you know, like just by being physically present in places, uh, treating that as a a statement of sorts. I don't think that's going away. I think it does feel we've talked about it a little bit throughout the year it feels more like and, you know, it's before our, our collective time, but like it does feel like probably the the sentiment and the, the sort of the activation that you saw in the, the late 60s into the 70s um, feels like we're seeing that and uh, particularly interesting that we seem to be seeing it around schools and classrooms and uh, Sort of the K-12 activation, particularly in high schools. So yeah, um,
2: I think there's a little kid solving there too, right? Sure. So that the uh, teachers saw what their students were doing mm-hmm. and. You know, took notice and uh, and followed them out using the you know as you said the rule of two feet. Like yep. Followed their uh, had their two feet through the walking too. Sure, sure. If you listen closely to the uh,
0: Steven Anderson interview, which is coming up next, uh, you'll hear him discuss the, the idea of kid solving not by name, but uh, we do get into the topic a little bit and about the idea of allowing students to to lead the way and uh, and listening to what they have to say. Uh, a great interview, and I. I listen to the whole thing it's, it's really in-depth and a really uh, interesting dive into his career but also his viewpoints on a lot of educational topics uh without further ado here uh brandon mike and myself talk to steven anderson Welcome back to this Trending in Education episode on National Teachers Day. We have a new guest on the line, Stephen Anderson. You may know him on Twitter, at Web20Classroom. Of course, it's web20classroom.org. Stephen is a ed tech leader in the space, also the creator of the hashtag EdChat on Twitter. For those of you who have followed that over the years, Uh, Stephen, first and foremost, thanks so much for coming on our podcast. But uh, secondarily, uh, can you give us some background, how you came to be where you are in your career and, and where it all began?
3: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for so much for having me. So um, just really quickly, I was a teacher, a classroom teacher for 13 years. I taught middle school math and science. Um, I got my master's degree in instructional technology, left the classroom to work at the district level, became district instructional technologist and became eventually director of instructional technology for a large district from based in North Carolina. Uh, had the opportunity to go work with schools and districts all over the country, all over the world, uh, and, uh, and get to do that on a daily basis.
0: A great uh, story to see the development of your career and, and where it went and where it came from. Uh, hashtag EdChat. Why? Like, what what was the impetus behind starting that conversation on Twitter uh, as something to bring teachers together?
3: So my my friend, my really good friend Tom Whitby and I um, actually met on Twitter and and we're having some really interesting discussions. And we were talking one day about how maybe it would be cool to to do a weekly kind of discussion around a topic and. Uh, and so we we settled on this hashtag EdChat, thinking that it would just be a way for people to kind of come together at a at a uh, the same time once a week to to talk. And uh, you know, because at that time during that was when really Twitter was in its infancy, and a lot of people wanted to discuss and and have that time. And so we settled on the time at seven o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays because that's what was convenient for Tom and and for me with a with a new family and. Uh, it's been that way ever since and and it's really grown into this um, this this massive movement of of educators not only participating in our conversation but then taking what they've learned for from the from the hashtag and creating their own. So most state hashtags, most uh, content curriculum related hashtags came about as because of somebody had a had a conversation through through a chat that we'd done on a Tuesday on a Tuesday night.
1: That's great. Uh this Mike Palmer, uh great great to have you uh Stephen on the show. So so thanks again for for taking the time. Um what's it like to be an educator who has such a Twitter following? Cuz like not to not to be uh struck in awe by the sheer numbers, but uh <laughs> but I see that you have 164,000 followers and you've tweeted 102,000 times. I mean, are your are your fingers tired? Like like what's it yeah. What's it like? How can you do anything other than manage this massive uh, social following?
3: You know, it's 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 still very humbling when, when I, I go to conferences and uh, people will say, hey, you know, you were the first person I followed on Twitter. Or, you know, I, I, can, I can remember my first EdChat that I participated in. It's still really humbling to me. And I definitely don't take it for granted. Um, a lot of my tweets are because of the chats that I participate in. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Twitter has just become a way for me to not only learn and share uh, what, what I'm what I'm finding out and what I'm reading and, and what other people are doing, but also for how I can grow as an educator. And, and I've, been, I've been a big proponent of personal learning networks for a very long time. And, mm. and Twitter is, is, is not the only way, but it's a great way to, to expand one's own understanding of what's happening in the education space, what's new, what's trending, but also engaging in conversation that's important. You know, a lot of things in education especially that's new and exciting, people just take it face value. So like maker spaces or flipped classrooms, a lot of people jumped on those bandwagons Mm -hmm. without understanding the pedagogical impact that those might have on the classroom. And so I, I'm, I'm a pot stir. I like to push people in the opposite direction and say, yeah, but is flipped learning really the best thing for kids or, Maker, or makerspace is really the best thing for kids to do and really try to help people understand and see both sides of that. And Twitter can be, but again, it's not the only way. And it's, it's sometimes it's not even a great platform for it, but it is a great way to have audience and to, to, to expand the voice and to learn from really, really smart people.
1: Yeah. And uh, related themes that we've been looking at trend wise uh, are around use of social media and um, and protection of identity and data privacy through social media. Um, Interesting to me in particular that you're able to engage through Twitter in a way that is positive and pro social and like learning forward. Because um, a lot of the news that I hear about these days is talking about negative uses of social media. Um, any thoughts? Uh, you know, there's a lot of different directions you might want to go responding to that. But, yeah. but any any thoughts about about any of those those themes? Because it's very um, I like to say zeitgeisty. Uh, at least once a show. You're um, trying
2: to get the phrase zeitgeisty, zeitgeisty. into the zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying try to
1: trying to neologize zeitgeisty. <laughs> But uh, but but any thoughts about about like just the role of social media and the, honestly like maybe f- f- focusing first on it does seem pr- like hashtag EdChat and a lot of your social presence seems like pro learning pro social and a lot of what we hear about is more on the negative front so so maybe can you can you begin by just talking about that
3: I, I totally I mean I wrote I wrote a blog post not too long ago about we we have to stop blaming social media for for society's ills it's not the it's not the result of the platform it's the the user who inserts the text and part of the problem that we have with trying to uh, trying to get schools and, and leaders to to understand the use the, the positive use that social media can have for learning and growing and sharing is they, they bring a lot of their own baggage. They bring a lot of their own preconceived notions about how those tools are used, and that then infects what they what we try to do in, in teaching and promoting the positive use of the tool. So we can't blame social media for what's uh, what's being said or what's being done. What we have what we have to do is look inward and blame ourselves, especially as educators. And and so that you know I get a lot of pushback on that. That you know the reason we have the situations we do around the negative use of social media, be it cyberbullying or Um, students, you know, just being able to say whatever they think is appropriate is because for a long time, especially with the advent of of internet technology, teachers buried their heads in the sand and said, well, we're just going to take, we're just going to not, we're going to take this approach where we're just not going to uh, talk about it. We're not going to to teach it. We're going to tell kids that it was okay to lie. I, I can remember in being in a classroom and teachers saying, Um, that they should, students should create fake screen names and they should create fake profiles so that they don't get hunted down by some sexual predator, which data tells us doesn't happen, that we need to be open and honest about how we use social media. And when we do that, then if if we integrate that in the classroom and we can show that it has positive use, then we can start to shift the tide and change the perceptions that adults have on that. A lot of the problems that we have are the result of adults, not kids.
1: Right, and, and I like your uh, your orientation, I think it's similar to one that, that we've talked about around um, not, not avoiding new media as it emerges, regardless of what generation you, you're in or what stage you are in your life, like continuing to feel like as educators, as folks who are passionate about learning, we need to understand the, the, the new trends, we need to understand what's emerging and uh, be ready to engage there. And for many folks, you know we talk about generational thinking a lot, you know, say Gen X on up uh you start to see educators and thought leaders who are maybe a little more uh reluctant to to jump into Twitter or to to understand what it's like to to use snapchat or to to you know check out twitch but uh but I think one of the things that that we like to explore is like what happens when when you 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 make that unusual choice you actually Push yourself to engage in a different way um, sounds like you were kind of touching on that is is that something you've you've seen
3: uh, totally i mean we think think about it, and I'm not a linguist i don't I, I you know I barely speak English well, but you know if you look if you look back to you know just you know three hundred years ago the way that the that the the English language was you know we don't use you know we don't overuse e's and f's in language anymore we don't we don't write the same way that we do we don't use even the same terminology or language that we do. And I hear from teachers all the time, well, I don't teach social media because those kids will never learn how to write properly. They'll never learn how to speak properly. You know, we don't, we don't, if someone from 300 years ago comes to today, they would not recognize the language, the, that language and, and what we do evolves over time. And and that that's kind of what we're in the midst now. We're, we're just fortunate enough to be a part of it. You know, I, I, I fundamentally believe that social media can have a great impact on learning. I teach teachers, you know, I've been doing workshops around using Snapchat and how Snapchat can engage not only students, but parents and communities as well, because that that's an application or or, or Instagram stories or those kinds of things. That's where people are. The The use of those tools is continuing and steadily rising. Um, you know, I cite I cite data from the Pew Internet study about how the use of those tools is continuing to increase just in, in people's personal everyday lives. And yet we go to the classroom and no, no, we can't do that. We have to we have to maintain the traditional way of teaching kids language and reading and math because why, why should we engage in these tools that they're using outside of the school? That's not what we do. We have to really think differently about what we're doing to not only engage students, but to reach them where they are and even beyond the classroom, going into the community and going into to our families and, and and better communicating at schools and districts to to those populations of people. Because ultimately, if we're going to make change, it has to be all of us. It can't just be teachers and students. It has to be teachers, students, parents, and communities in order to make that fundamental you know shift that we we desperately need.
2: So in hearing you talk about uh, evolution of, of the language, I think it's interesting. I, I was also interested in... Um, how the conversation has shifted. So, you know, you started uh, hashtag EdChat back, as you said, in sort of the infancy of Twitter. Um, I, I wonder how how has the conversation changed uh, since then, and and I I also wonder, are there things that that haven't changed? You know, are there are things that are still consistent in that uh, in that conversation.
3: A lot of it hasn't. I mean, we've been talking. EdChat's going to Ed gonna be ten years old in August, and we've you know we've had conversations you know around professional development. We've had conversations around the, the need for um, giving students a life outside of school. So things like homework um, and stopping the use of homework. We've had conversations you know, around the, the efficacy of, of the use of different types of, of technology tools. I mean, these are conversations that have, have been happening for, for many, many years. The problem is we still have a large group of teachers who don't believe that, that social media or the engagement in those conversations is beneficial to their professional practice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with the attitudes of the districts and where they work. You know, I'm, I'm in a district almost every day and talking to teachers every day and talking to leadership every day. And the, the attitudes towards the use of these tools for teachers to personalize their professional development is still seen as the district has to tell that teacher what they don't know. And the district has to provide that that instruction so that they, that they believe it's high quality. You know, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of a a website called EdWeb and, you know, free professional, uh, uh, free professional development for teachers, video based. They can take it anytime, anywhere. It's so high quality. Hmm. And when I was instructional technology director, I had to fight my board for nearly a year to get them to recognize that the hour that that teacher sits in front of that webinar can be translated. What they learn can translate directly to the classroom. And so they should be awarded time and credit for taking that, that professional development. Districts and, and schools don't have the resources, the time or the money to personalize learning for every student, let alone every teacher. So why shouldn't that teacher be able to go out and, and get that, uh, that professional development on their own? So the, the, the problem is, no, the conversations haven't changed. We're still talking about changing school start times. We're still, cha- we're still talking about changing uh, you know dumping homework in, in in order to to really let kids be kids outside of school I mean we're still having those same conversations the, the the difference from the beginning to now is that we're we're starting to see little pockets of people actually starting to push back and going back to their schools and saying look I had this conversation these are really good ideas we need to start thinking about and doing this but just you know, the problem at the outside of, of just social media and, and ed tech in general is things in education tend to move very slowly for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and, and we, we've got to take it on ourselves to push a little harder to, to go a little faster.
2: Yeah. I wonder if, um, and, and not that this is the only solution since we believe in lifelong learning and that uh, us, uh, us hashtag olds can uh, learn some new tricks as well. But I wonder as, as sort of generationally, uh, the makeup of of both teachers, the teaching population, and um, administrative population changes. I wonder if we're going to reach a tipping point where you know the majority of of uh, of teachers or or professionals in schools are going to be you know millennials um, or uh, or di- at least digital natives. I wonder if, if if I assume we will reach that tipping point. I guess that's the way that math and life works. But uh, I wonder when we do. Do you see Stephen as that having a, a change?
3: I do see a lot of, I see a lot of youth, you know, and, and I see a lot of youth using social media and it's not just Twitter, it's, you know, Facebook groups, it's it's other platforms as well, you know, even Instagram is a growing place for, for educators to share, I, I see a lot of different places, you know, just in just, you know, speaking as a North Carolinian I mean we have a hard time recruiting um, you know, college age kids into education programs, and we're seeing more teachers leave the profession and retire than we do have coming in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, eventually, I hope there is a tipping point. I hope that there is a, a, a point at which people say uh, they regret that they that they weren't there for so long. And, and that's I try, I try to, you know, we say all the time that the worst advocate for growing a personal learning network is somebody who's been doing it as long as we have, because it's hard <laughs> for us to explain because a personal learning network is so personal, but we hear stories all the time from people who say, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I had done this. I wish I'd had this in college. I wish I had, had engaged in this a whole lot sooner because I've learned so much. I've shared. I, I've been able to share so much. I've been able to grow so much. Mm-hmm. What we need is, are those stories to continuously be told. And for teachers to not feel like when they go in their building and they go to their school and they stand up in their faculty meeting and say, look at this great thing that I learned. It's not about them. It's about helping everybody improve. I mean, I believe we have we all have a fundamental uh, a fundamental duty as educators to ensure that that students everywhere have a high quality education, no matter whose students they are. And so if I'm going to stand up in a faculty meeting and say, look, I've got this great. Way that I'm connecting with other people, you should try it too. Doesn't mean that it has to be Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's not a one one end all be all. It's just the the nature of connecting with other educators outside of the building. That's truly fundamentally changing what those teachers who do that, who they are in the classroom, and the learning that takes place there.
1: Yeah, it's re- it's really interesting. A lot of what you're talking about, uh, when thinking about it from the perspective of uh, of the teacher in the 21st century, which is as part of really the theme of, of this week's show, like we're just trying to understand what's it like to be a teacher today. Um, what I'm seeing you respond to in some ways is uh, the fact that it, while you get autonomy within your classroom, it can be a somewhat isolating experience where like you're able to sort of, you know, get fulfillment and engagement because you're, you're teaching your class, you can see the impact and the connection you're having, the relationships you're building. But at the same time, it's your classroom and you're kind of in it on your own um, mm. it how and then at the same time there there's sort of uh, new new trends that we're seeing around teachers organizing and and teachers walking out together and also supporting students' activism. Um, I imagine you're probably tuned into that a little bit uh, as well. So, uh, so any thoughts just sort of in, in, in response to that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't claim to know everything that happened in the classroom. I've been out of the classroom for a very long time. I talk to teachers every day, but it is not anything like being in there day in and day out. But from what, I, what I've seen and from my experience, you know, the, 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 a lot of the burdens that are placed on teachers are due to uh, conditions outside of their control and teachers in many states across the country have said it's time for us to take back that control. And and a lot of it does come down to funding. It it mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is salary and being paid a livable wage. But you know if you look at like Arizona, they they were not just fighting for a livable wage; they were fighting for money for their schools so that they could buy books and kids could have supplies. And you know when 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 you don't we don't have the the basic things that we need in order to teach, it makes teaching so much harder and makes the the use of social media to connect or personalizing my, pro- my professional development low on the list, because my priority is making sure those kids get a high quality education. Mm-hmm. So if I can take it upon myself and organize and tell legislators, you know, in, in every state to say, look, you've got to fully fund education, not just at the salary level, but just overall, making sure that kids have the supplies and have what they need and making sure our schools are high quality. Mm-hmm. That makes a huge difference. Once we can Once we all can agree and get on the same page with that and and really start making fundamental change at the legislative level, then I think we can really start to begin looking at how can teachers, every teacher wants to teach better. I I really believe that. I really believe that every teacher doesn't believe that they are the best out there. They want to be better. They just need help in figuring out how they can do that. When I'm having to worry about if there's enough money to buy supplies for my classroom, that's a low priority for me. And so if if we can figure out you know, this, this this funding situation. And, and I'm, I fully support any, any teacher that, that any teachers or states that want to do it. I think it's the, I think it's the best way to do it, especially like here in North Carolina, they're doing it May 16th. And Mm -hmm. I, my wife is a teacher and I keep saying, you need to take the day off and you need to go to Raleigh because they need to know how, they need to know how you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, We, everybody needs to do it. They need to do it to tell, to tell legislators that, look, if we want to improve and we want to be a world-class society in the U S then we've got to fully fund education. Once we can do that, then I think the other things can begin to fall in place. But I think we're not moving forward because we have all these outside influences that are putting undue pressure um, directly on the classroom.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's got to be difficult as well. Like in in one thing, another trend we look at is sort of the importance of social emotional learning and, uh, and the idea that you need to be able as an instructor to teach non-cognitive skills to your students. But if you're not able to to feel supported and uh, you don't feel like your base needs uh, are, are being met, you're not being treated with the, the respect that that the profession warrants, it's gotta be extremely taxing like at an emotional level to be able to sort of lead by example when you're feeling that lack of, of support. Like I almost think, uh, you know, sort of a corollary to thanking the military for their service like we need something similar to, to thank, thank teachers for their service.
3: Thanking first responders, thanking firemen, thanking yeah. policemen, thanking yeah. military. Yeah. And then, Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, teachers too. Right. And and it's not to say that teachers are, are the most important or more important than any other group. It's that the job that they do is really hard. Um, the job that, that the educator does. And, you know, again, I, I was a teacher for 13 years. I've been out of the classroom for a long time, but, you know, even I, I remember you we, you talked about how teaching is isolating. I felt isolated every day. Yep. I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have, you know, I had a, I had a pretty decent okay principal cause she stayed out of my classroom and kind of just let me do what I needed to do, but I didn't have a support as a first year teacher. And after my, after my first year, I nearly left education altogether. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I at the, after the first year, I was, I was drained emotionally because, you know, it's not just teaching kids how to read and how to do math. It's teaching kids who didn't, who didn't have anything to eat the night before it's teaching kids who didn't know where they were going to sleep that day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 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 you know, even in the richest communities, kids are facing issues that are, that, that, that teachers are having to tackle and make sure that that kid, oh yeah, by that, by the way, that kid who's homeless needs to make sure he graduates so that he, you know, he can, he can overcome that situation. It's a, it's a huge support system that's needed. And when we defund it and we take away personnel, you know, and we we don't we, we don't put priority on on the things that we need in order to be just a competent society, mm-hmm. then ultimately we are going to fail. And and unless we make really drastic change outside of the system that impacts the system, you know, we're, we're I don't know. I don't know where we're headed, but, you know, I, I want to do everything I can every day to provide free resources, to share things that I know or, or tips that I know that 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 a teacher could go into the classroom and take and and really try to make that fundamental change. But, you know, I'm just one person. We need everybody to be a part of that conversation.
2: Yeah. It's, it strikes me that while we're advocating for fundamental change, and I I agree with you, I I may have a bias here on this. I'm the son of two teachers, uh, one who went on to become a superintendent of schools, but I think the full funding of education is right on. I think that there are some real societal problems that we need to try to solve alongside it. But while we're trying to advocate for that, um, because I think that change is going to be slow, mm-hmm. uh, I think that um, you know the resources you provide, the dialogue that exists uh, through you know, EdChat, the work that you're doing, that actually can make some local solutions. They aren't they aren't going to be instead of and and probably not greater than some of the fundamental ones we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But they are in addition to. And if a teacher feels like she has a community, if a teacher feels like she has resources, a teacher feels like mm-hmm. She can engage in a dialogue, then maybe that um, that classroom gets a little bit better. And uh, right. if you've got one classroom here and there, but at times a lot of times, one hundred and seventy thousand yeah. followers, uh, you know that that actually can make a lot of change happen too. So um, I, 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 totally, I totally, I totally
3: agree, go. and I I completely agree, and and if, if if it we're and we're seeing those little pockets of innovation. I go to conferences. I, I love. You know, I love the national conferences, the national education conferences and going to those because I get to see people from all over, but I really love the local conferences because that's where that's where you really see teachers who are really doing really incredible things because you've got these teachers who are like, look, I'm not waiting around for the system to change. I'm not waiting around for 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 somebody to come in and say, you know, here's a whole pot of money for you to do something. They're figuring out how to do within their means. and they're really making excellent change. And if we can have, I'm all about storytelling and those stories deserve and need to be told. And, and we, we, we have a duty to listen to those and see how can that be replicated? What can we do going down going further and going down the road? You know, that's the only way I think that we're, we're going to, you know, accelerate that change.
0: Stephen, I wanted to get your, your take on the leaving the classroom. You made mention of your, your it's been a while since you've been in there. Uh, you, was that the intent when you started teaching did you ever always see an end game outside the classroom or was it just something that evolved over time and now that you're out of the classroom do you miss it
3: i, I do miss it i miss being around kids um you know i miss having that opportunity to to teach um that's that's why i i, I work with adults every day sometimes working with adults is harder than working with kids a lot of times it's, it's harder than working with kids mm-hmm. um so i i still consider myself an educator and and still teach um, you know mostly on a daily basis but you know when I got into teaching I thought I would be that teacher who taught for 30 35 years I mean I didn't have any any intentions of of moving out of the classroom my father is getting ready to retire this year he teaches middle school he's mm-hmm. been teaching for 37 years um, and um, he you know I thought that would be me I thought that i would i would be that that teacher and and I, I was I came in right when technology was really starting to come into the classroom and I, I just I had a I went to a workshop and was learning how to to to, to do using um, response clickers in the classroom. And I asked the person who was presenting, I said, how did you get your job? Uh, and because I was just curious, and it was like, Oh, well, you can go to you can go to you know, get your master's degree and you can do this. And so I just I went and got my master's to get my master's because at that time in North Carolina, it paid more money. Right. So I went and got my master's degree. And then kind of I had this position at my at my school where I was a teacher where I could go and I could do professional development for my teachers and technology. And it kind of evolved from there. Um, But I I do, I do miss it. I don't miss what teachers have to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, But I do miss the fundamental elements of teaching, but I try to stay as close to that as I can by, by working with adults.
1: Yeah.
0: There's a a cascading nature of what you do now though, right? So you may not be influencing 23 students in your classroom, but by the nature of what you're doing each and every day, uh, is that, Sort of a drive now that you're teaching all of these teachers to then hope that a certain percentage of those take something you say and bring it back to the classroom.
3: Definitely, I mean, I I write blog posts, I write, I wrote my books, I write, you know, I'm writing another book right now, and and I I, I do all those things and tweet and share and and do presentations and uh, and do things like this to yeah. that hopefully that a teacher somewhere will will read it and say you know what you know that last post that I I my last post I wrote about. Um, you know, how we can take creativity that kids have outside of the classroom and bring it into the classroom. And, you know, I hope some teacher reads that and says, you know what, I, re- I really want to take this to heart. And I really want to do authentic learning. And I really want to learn what that means, or I want to do problem based learning, or I want to use social media. And if I can influence that one teacher, that then it's just like how I can make a difference in the life of that one kid. It's It's that it does have that cascading effect. And so that's why I present all the time. That's why I you know, I'm on the road constantly working with with teachers and and especially leadership. Now, I have a real passion for helping leaders change their mindset as to you know how technology can be viewed in the classroom. But I, I do I do hope it has a cascading effect. And I've heard from from some folks who have been in my sessions or read my book. Oh, because I read this, I'm now doing this and that. That's really that's a really a, a driver for me.
1: you know, on a it's a somewhat related point, or maybe maybe it's just a new one. Uh, the we did a, a March Madness uh, trend spotting uh, tournament uh, this year, and our winning trend uh, was called Kid Solving, which is looking to to kids, uh, to like the emerging generations, to help us understand, you know, how to how to answer, how to solve problems that kids are facing, but also at times how to solve problems that are really uh facing facing the entire culture um as an educator in the 21st century uh particularly maybe in light of some of the the social movements that have been happening lately um how do you think about getting the next generation uh you know gen z or the parkland generation like how do we how do we think about getting them engaged about teaching and think about how maybe in some ways they're equipped to teach us how to teach in fundamentally new and and better ways. Uh, Any thoughts on that?
3: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I once had a kid tell me, you know, like, don't give me the problems I already, you know, that already have answers. Give me the problems that don't have solutions yet. And let me figure them out. I mean, kids have an innate desire to be problem solvers. You look at, you know, you look at toddlers. I mean, I have a four-year-old and that's, she, she wants to problem solve. She wants to figure things out. My nine-year-old daughter is the same way. You know, they, they want to problem solve. It's just that, We've kind of, because of because of the issues that are happening in society today, we've pushed kids to to solve these problems that you know kids a generation ago didn't have to worry about or didn't have to think about. But you know, in, in essence, in every generation, they've had issues like that. Going back to the Vietnam generation, going back to the World War II generation, there were you know the, there there are these these massive social shifts mm-hmm. that kids want to be a part of and want to to be to have an answer to. Uh, and and I think we need to I think we need to encourage them. we need to encourage kids to walk out and stand up for their First Amendment rights. We need to encourage kids to um, to 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 be in front of of city councils and senates and 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 in presidents and say, look, this ha-, you know whatever the issue is has to stop or we have to fix it or we have to change it. I hope that we can then tell those same kids, you know you you know you're really awesome at social activism. Why don't you? Teach the next generation of kids how to do that, and and changing and, and shifting. How, I really what I would like to see is a shift in what what education really is about. And yep. you know, in the past, you know, education was creating kids for manufacturing and farming. It was yep. teaching them the skills to go out and to to be a good farmer or to, to sit on an assembly line. And now we're we're you know we we keep saying oh we're we're creating we're creating a generation of kids for jobs that don't yet exist. Well, yeah, that's true. It's also cliche, but it is true but we need to think about what is, what actually are we teaching kids? Can we, are we teaching them things that they can just look up on the internet? Well, then we need to be teaching them good curation skills and good Mm -hmm. digital citizenship skills. Mm -hmm. Can we teach them, can we teach them what it means to be an active member of society heck yeah we should should we be equipping them with social emotional learning heck yeah we should does it matter if they don't pass their end of grade test no it doesn't because by the time they get there i already know what they're good at i already know what they need help in because i've helped them along the way we need to we we need to really rethink what education really is and again that's a long term problem down the road but i hope that we can have this generation especially these Parkland kids, I hope that they see the impact that they're having. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, that some of them say, look, I, I want to go help other kids do that. And I'm going to go into teaching to do that.
1: Yeah. And, and even thinking about formal versus informal education, you know, so like they're, you know, in many ways, I, I, I think many of us think of ourselves as performing an educational service, even if we're not in a classroom. And like, I, you know, you, I was uh, talking to, to folks, uh, who, uh, who do a lot of podcasting and, uh, and they were saying they think of it as a learning engagement. Like they're actually helping to, to sort of elevate thinking. And I think a lot of it happens in informal settings outside of classrooms. And then it also happens uh, within classrooms. And then even within classrooms, the dynamics of the classroom seem to be evolving too, where like more uh, fostering more collaborative engagement having t- students solve problems together as a method of learning, as opposed to a teacher working through a problem in front of a classroom and then expecting students to sort of do that same work on their own at a later time. Um, any thoughts on that? Like like what, Uh, yeah.
3: If if you look at the the body of research on, you know, what is effective teaching and what is effective learning, it's not, you know, the things that are at the, the, that make the most difference in the life of a student aren't the fact that they can regurgitate the right answer or that they did all their homework or, you know, any of those traditional metrics that we've used in education. It's the students who are reflective, who are given the opportunity to think about their thinking, who employ metacognitive, metacognitive, metacognitivity. It's mm. the teacher who's reflective, who employs formative assessment to mm. understand not only where students are in their learning but where where the teacher is in their teaching it's mm. it's this it, 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 it's this change into into really rethinking what does it mean to to learn, what does it mean to teach, and what does education really mean? Is it? is does education is the only measure we have this end of grade test that, you know, like I said, my nine year old, she's getting ready to, she's in third grade, she's getting ready to take her first end of grade test and her school is making such a big deal out of it. Yeah. When I told her, I said, do you know what I got on my third year end of grade test? I have no idea and nobody cares. You know, it's not, it, it, it doesn't matter. If, if, we, if we use the, the reflection and the formative assessment and those things that really research show that kids who do those things do better, then we don't have a need for the, the boring test at the end of the year because I know where that student is in their understanding. I know where that student is in their learning. But if we can bring in these other things like social emotional um, And and looking at authentic problem solving and looking at authentic learning. That's really where ultimately we, we need to see the shift in, in education and, and learning going and to have kids who Aren't just solving some far off, you know, abstract problem. They're actually looking at here what's happening in my community. What's a problem that's out there and how can I solve it? That's yeah. ultimately when my kids graduate school, that's what I want them to be able to do.
1: And the, and the types of tools that need to be used and the types of skills and competencies that we need to have to solve problems today are very different from the industrial model you were talking about before. So like more and more, uh, the need to work collaboratively and to, to be empathic and to be creative uh, and uh, sort of exploratory in, and curious. Um, and those are things that can be modeled, but they're much harder to be measured in a summative assessment, although those assessments are also uh, beginning to emerge. Like one thing we've talked about is also like, you know, how assessment is also moving into a non-cognitive and social-emotional and that, you know, we all have different, um, sort of personalities and ways to engage socially and emotionally and um, it's interesting because it feels like the tools are changing and then even like the model of the learner is changing. Like we're sort of saying, you know, as the almost like the problem space of education, I guess, uh, is changing
3: yeah i mean it's 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 interesting you know when, when you look at the industrial age and you look at what kids had to do i mean it was straight memorization of of understanding of math and, and, and ling, ling english and and those types of you know basic information there was very little you know they didn't really need to know how to work together they really didn't need to know how to think critically because if i'm staying on an assembly line and i'm putting a cog in a widget you know that's and that's all i do all day there's no real critical thinking involved um, even in, in the in the basic agriculture age, I, I just had to know when was the best time to plant, when was the best time to harvest. You know, I my my business partner Shaylin from from Iowa. You know, I we talk a lot about the change of, of the the kids who are who are graduating from Iowa schools and and how there very few of them are going into agriculture, but now how agriculture is even embracing things like you got to be creative, you have to know technology. You yep. have to be able to work with farmers around you. I mean, that even, even those traditional jobs are, are shifting now into those, those skills that those kids need that we would think um, are only reserved for, you know, high impact or, or high tech kinds of jobs. It's totally shifting. It's totally changing. I mean, North Carolina, it, you used to walk out of, a, out of a high school here where I live in Winston Salem and walk right into the, Philip Moore, into the R.J. Reynolds factory yep. and get a job in the factory and you can't do that anymore you could walk into the furniture factory and do it you can't do that anymore and mm-hmm. and we're seeing more and more the need for kids to develop these skills that are super hard to measure and super hard to teach the only way to the only way to teach them is to let kids do them they all mm-hmm. they need to know they need to know collaboration they need to know critical thinking and the way that they do those things is through reflection and formative assessment and and, and it really takes, again, it takes that fundamental change on the part of not just the teacher, but the student, but the parent, yeah. you know, changing up. The research shows high school kids shouldn't be going to school before 10 a.m. That's yeah. a societal shift that yeah. has to change. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an education of, of everybody that that has to take place.
1: Yeah. T- you know, the whole uh, trope, it takes a village like the whole village has to change to to actually embrace the level of transformation that's probably warranted. Um so I know we're 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 going long on time. Thank you very much for your generosity. This is obviously I could we could continue uh at length. Um I'm just trying to understand uh where do you see the the innovation like what where will the change happen? Like where is it like how will the the new model emerge out of uh you know the the current you know, the current playing field, because like, we know that there are some challenges for teachers, there's a little more organization uh, among, among, uh, you know, teacher unions, and there's more engagement with students around social, Um, and then obviously getting buy-in at a district level, like you were talking about, is something that's important, Uh, you know, really society needs to change its thinking. Um, We like to say, uh, you know, William Gibson's quote, the future is here now, it's just not evenly distributed. Um, Where where do you think the future is now and like, how's it going to spread and what can our listeners do to, to to sort of maybe uh, lean in and participate in the change?
3: Yeah. I I mean, I think, I I think there's, there's, it's going to be hard to nail down exactly what that thing is going to be. If I, I, I'm sure I could be a multi-billionaire if I knew this is the thing that's going to change it all. But I think what we're, what we're beginning and gradually seeing is we're, we're seeing a shift just in, in, in society in general, in the way that we think about, you know, traditional things, you know, transportation is being thought differently, the way that we deliver goods and services is being, is being redefined. And I think we're, we're going to, we're going to rapidly see this change of in society around us. And at some point, educators are going to say enough is enough. And, and we're starting to see that with these, with educators banding together and saying, look, it's more important for me to be out of the classroom and to march and to strike on behalf of my kids Mm -hmm. than it is, than it is for me just to sit on the sidelines. And I think we're gonna start seeing a snowball effect. It's going to be slow, but I think we're gonna start seeing a snowball effect and and teachers are gonna start saying, you know, enough is enough. There was that threat, you know, for for a long time, even here in North Carolina, right to work state, there's that threat of, if I walk out of the classroom, I'm gonna lose my job. They and I, I tell, I keep telling everybody, they can't fire all, you know, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, hundred thousand of you. They right. can't. They've got right. nobody to replace you. Yep. So you know, it's it's time that we start standing up and we start saying, look, we've got to do, we've got to change. And as a teacher, what I can do is be engaged in the process and 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 understand what is, what is the current research telling me about student learning? What is the current research telling me about about teacher education and and teacher uh, teacher assessment? Not discounting. Not discounting, um, you know, collaboration amongst teachers and, and, and not discounting, uh, you know, the, the teacher, teacher evaluation. Those can be growth tools for us. And then looking at how, how have I, how, well, how was I traditionally taught and how is that different from the students that I'm teaching and what can I do simply and easily that's going to engage and, and effectively reach my students? I think that we're going to, if we start seeing that more and more, it's going to snowball and it's going to pretty soon, it's going to be, you know, a, a runaway train in terms of change.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like you're you're sort of you're trying to foster that conversation. So like folks who are interested, uh sounds like uh sounds like uh they, they have one more person that they can maybe uh engage with who they they may not have been exposed to uh to before.
0: You can use the hashtag edChat ed to find Stephen. Of course, it's at Web20Classroom on Twitter. That's the same as his uh website. Uh we've talked so much about uh Stephen the educator, but I want to close with how are you learning today? Like what, what's your approach to lifelong learning and how are you each and every day? I'm sure it's a process you, you take to heart. Uh, what are you focused on when you're trying to, to learn each and every day?
3: I mean, I look at what, what is, I, I, I do look at trends. So I look at what are people talking about and, and what is, what's happening. You know, I go to conferences and I look through schedules and I think about, you know, what is, a, what are a lot of people talking about I spend, I spend a good hour a day, just reading, I read blogs, I read, I I try to read research. Uh, I try to make sure that, you know, if I'm, if I'm teaching something, or if I'm talking about, you know, I've been talking a lot about engagement versus effectiveness, Mm. I need to know myself, what does the research tell us around engagement and effectiveness. Um, But I also, you know, I have Twitter up all the time, and I look and I see and I, I, you know, something catches my eye, and then I'll dig right into it. Um, I, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of people in my network who are really, really smart and who do a lot of different things that I can lean on. Um, but but me personally, I, I'm just I'm interested in, in supporting educators, but also showing those those research based strategies that can really enhance their learning. And so a lot of it begins with reading uh, and being plugged into the process through social media or, or webinars or conferences or things like that.
0: Uh, great having you on here, Stephen. Really appreciate the time. Going long as well as I said, it's a hashtag #EdChat every every Tuesday. Still, is it still
3: every Tuesday? Every Tuesday, seven o'clock Eastern.
0: Same bat time, same bat channel uh, over there on twitter.com at uh, web20classroom. You can find them, of course, uh, participating in that. And you'll see that hashtag beyond. It's constantly used, and there's some great conversations going on at all times uh, using that and other hashtags, as Stephen said before, spawned from uh, that hashtag. We appreciate the time. Uh, Look forward to hopefully talking to you again sometime in the future, uh, and really appreciate uh, the the minutes here on Trending in Education. A wide-ranging excellent interview with steven anderson some great stuff from him Uh, obviously a diverse life that has been led uh, from the classroom now to helping others lead their classrooms a true evangelist of different education styles uh, ed tech and learning across the country and around the world so we do so much appreciate him coming on to trending in education for the rest of the week to celebrate teacher appreciation week you will hear from more instructors from early education to college professors to some live online instructor as well uh, to talk about the depth and breadth of teaching in current times and what we see for the future so stay tuned the rest of the week right here to trending in education of course as always you can find us on twitter at trending in ed it's trending in ed on facebook as well trending in ed.com as well as trending in education.com if you're over on itunes stitcher tune in leave us a rating leave us a comment let us know what you like about the podcast what topics you want us to cover in the future with all that said thanks so much for listening to trending in education